Chapter Twenty Five of the Master of Mysteries. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Master of Mysteries by Galette Burgess. Black Light. Surely it has been a curious wooing for Astro, seer of secrets, so confident in other matters so keen in his insight into human nature so quick to think and bold to act had shown from the first a strange timidity when it came to a personal relation with valeska his assistant his manner had long been merely brotherly modified only by his relation as instructor to her but of late he had begun to make tentative suggestions as if to try and sound her affection from these valeska had instinctively warned him off and his tact had made him accede to her wishes it seemed as if he feared to lose her by speaking too soon but at last he had spoken the words had sprung unpremeditated from his lips on the surging impulse of the moment nor were they the fruit of any dramatic moment merely the sight of her in a characteristic attitude at the table her blonde head illumined by the electric light and a sudden terror struck him lest destiny should sweep them apart and write the story of their two years friendship in the chronicles of the past so many things in his life had faded like autumn leaves he must be sure of her sure of having her beside him always sure of the inspiration of her companionship the speech came on the instant in a passionate demand it had appeared to frighten her for the moment as if it were a question she had long been dreading she had asked for some time in which to consider it and he had reluctantly consented since then he had not mentioned the subject but he had watched her silently with fear and constraint in his manner valeska found it hard to explain why she had been unwilling to answer but as she went over and over the question it seemed to her that their friendship had been merely the product of propinquity they had been thrown together continually had incurred danger and had enjoyed victory how then could she be sure that it was no more than friendship a common interest in their work love she had always thought should come with a flash of sudden illumination as a divine gift as a sudden wonder convincing in its very mystery but her feeling was it not the mere result of a daily comradeship was it a fatal irresistible appeal of the soul she found him aristocratic generous talented finely perceptive and delicate but was this all her love if it were love spoke a commonplace tongue and she had wanted words of fire so for a week she went over and over the subject subjecting herself and astro to a searching criticism and as yet she had found no answer he came into the room one morning carrying from his laboratory a large black square object which he set on the table she looked at it and then her eyes questioned him it is a lantern of a special kind he said it casts black light black light her delicate brows rose that's what dr lebon calls it you see the visible spectrum or all the light we can see is only about one per cent 
of all the vibrant energy emitted by the sun or any other luminous body beyond that visible spectrum lie at one end the ultraviolet rays and at the other the infrared i have here a lighted lantern enclosed in an opaque box which cuts off all the visible rays but permits the other ninety-nine per cent to pass through the flame inside is now casting rays of black light through the opaque sides black because they are invisible light because they will illuminate certain objects i want you to witness an experiment you recall the celebrated interference experiment of fresnel in which light added to light produced darkness well i shall show you how darkness added to darkness may give birth to light it is levon's discovery now come into my dark room and i'll show it to you at the farther end of the laboratory he opened a door which led into a small dark room entering this and closing the laboratory door he opened one into another dark room beyond carrying the dark lantern they both entered the inner dark room which was ventilated through a circuitous light-proof pipe the room was absolutely black but astro well used to the place feeling his way with his hands set the lantern on a table upon a shelf here he said is a chinese image of buddha which some weeks ago i coated with phosphorescence sulphate of calcium by this time all its luminosity is gone and it is absolutely invisible but now i shall direct the invisible rays of black light from this lantern upon it watch as she waited there in the silence of the dark Valeska strained her eyes for nearly a minute in vain then a faint luminous blur was apparent it gathered intensity and showed a triangle of violet radiance in another minute it had taken the form of a squatting buddha and glowed plainly the only visible thing in the room it's wonderful she breathed oh that's not half that can be done with black light astro said as he took the lantern and led the way out with it one can photograph objects through an opaque screen when they are illuminated by ordinary sunlight by using a screen of sulphide of zinc and training this black light upon an object one could see it even at midnight half a mile away when they came out into the great studio he dropped to his favorite place on the divan and went on phosphorescence opalescence and fluorescence are queer things Valeska. they haven't been half understood till lately when what is called the new physics came into being through the discoveries in radioactivity by monsieur and madame curie it used to be thought that after a phosphorescent object had remained in the dark for a while and had ceased to be luminous it ceased its radioactivity and needed a new bath of light to make it act again but the mon found that it would radiate for months after all visible glow had disappeared we have proved it with this black light just now he had taken up his nargali and sat looking off into space with a mystic expression on his face it was one of his dreamy philosophical moments valeska recognized the mood and waited for the inevitable parable four 
to astro the seer modern science was but an allegory of the intellect and the emotions by it he explained even his own charlatanry isn't it like absence while our friend is present he is bathed in the matter-of-fact light of day he is radiant luminous when he disappears for a time that impression of him lasts like the phosphorescent glow then the light fades and we begin to forget all save those who truly love who truly know whose soul can still perceive the mysterious astral black light he radiates through the dark his influence persists transmuted from mental into psychic energy Sila. he dropped his nargali and sat with folded hands looking at her as if she were miles away his smile was the calm expression of his own bronze buddha but valeska took the parable to herself eagerly yes yes it's true and that's just what i need to know before i give you the answer you want i don't know whether i really love you or not you're too near me too intermingled with my life and my work if i could try that test of absence if i could wait till your phosphorescence fades out then i could tell whether or not i was affected by your black light i'd know then just what you were to me alone in the dark shall we try it he asked gently shall i disappear for a week say ah i'm afraid it would take at least a month she said he laughed well as long as you like will you really he bowed gravely i shall disappear to-morrow you may use the studio as you please and when you've found out whether or not you can be affected by my psychic black light you will let me know do i care do i care enough for him valeska asked herself the next morning as she walked to the studio she had thought of it almost all night she had risen with the question on her lips she had seen him every day for two years the thought that to-day and perhaps for a week or a month she would not see him gave her a strange feeling was it a relief or a pain as yet she could not decide as she entered the studio it seemed strange not to find him there at first then insensibly she began to find it hard to believe that he was not there everything suggested his presence the curiosities he had collected the weapons the egyptian sculptures tapestries gems all evidences of his taste and his researches she could not rid herself of the feeling that at any moment he might come in he was near her somewhere waiting and watching for her but this she said to herself was only the effect of the familiar environment in which she had been used to see him but it became at last too strong too insistent surely she could never decide till she sought a new atmosphere she was sorry that she had not disappeared instead of astro but at least she could leave the studio and be alone for a while to think it out as she opened the outer door she heard the soft ringing of the electric bell in the studio which warned them of visitors it still rang as she closed the door and it gave her an uncanny feeling the one spark of life in that dead empty place she hurried away and walked swiftly toward the park do i care valeska had little doubt of it when the next morning she walked to the studio one day had made her sure 
She wanted to see Astro again more than she wanted anything in the world. The day before had been empty and vapid. She had scarcely reached the reservoir in the park before she knew what a fool she had been ever to doubt. The product of mere propinquity or not, the feeling she had for him was paramount over every other emotion. She wanted him back, to see him, hear him, and, well, he would find out what else. Again the empty studio smote her with the strange feeling that, despite the fact that she did not meet him there, he was near her. Now it was a tantalizing thought. Why had she not arranged how to notify him? She had been so sure that she would need a month, that she had not asked where he was going, and she had now no means of letting him know. It was absurd. Must she wait for him to write? After all, had she really no means of discovering his whereabouts? She looked eagerly about the studio. For two years she had been his assistant in unraveling mysteries. Why should she not now profit by her apprenticeship? But how? It came to her then that it was, so to speak, by means of black light that he himself had always worked. Most people saw only the outward and visible signs, the one percent of facts that were luminous and obvious. His delicate mind registered the infrared rays of psychic action. He vibrated to the ultraviolet waves. Could she not do so as well? She was a woman and had intuitions as well as intellect. She had emotions finer than men's. But her emotions told her, somehow, irrationally, that Astro was still there in the studio. She could not believe, quite, in his absence. Everything shrieked his name to her. She could close her eyes and see him before the porphyry sphinx, examining thumbprints at his table, poring over the mimic planets of the orrery, figuring out nativities, gazing into his crystal ball. That would never do. She must keep her imagination as an instrument with which to work on facts. Where, then, were the facts that could help her? She set herself to investigate the studio thoroughly, inch by inch. At the first round, she found nothing not in its accustomed place, nothing new, nothing significant. She sat down at his table to think, putting her elbows on the blotter and letting her head drop into her palms. Her eyes fell on the blue blotter. It was changed every morning, ordinarily, but now she noticed pencil markings a small square drawn with its diagonals would this be mere thoughtless penciling or perhaps a clue next an envelope lying beside the inkstand attracted her attention surely that could mean nothing and yet as it lay with its face down the x-shaped cross of its gummed edges suggested the diagonals of the square either one alone might have no significance but the two taken together, the hint, perhaps, repeated, she smiled at the very absurdity of so frail a clue. Then her eyes dropped to the waste paper basket. This should have been emptied yesterday morning, yet it contained a few scraps of paper. She stooped, and she drew them out, one by one. Three were blank. On the fourth, she found the following. St. Patrick's Cath. 
115 10th Avenue, Pier 83, N.R., 320, 3rd Avenue. She gave a little cry of triumph. Here at last was something to work on. She considered the addresses carefully. What did they mean? Astro had never mentioned such places. Yet the notes were in his crabbed handwriting. She knew of a certainty that the studio had been cleaned the day before yesterday. This writing, then, must have been put into the basket after they had had their talk. If so, then they meant something. The first thing to do was, of course, to look up these localities and see what she could find there. St. Patrick's Cathedral and the Pier 83 seemed unlikely places to discover news of Astro's whereabouts, but she determined to visit all four before she returned. She called a taxi cab and set out first for Pier 83. This, she found, was at the end of the 42nd Street side of the Weehawken Ferry. She walked along the wharf and found a tug laid up there. Besides this, there was no sign of life. What should she do? Asked the tugboat men if they knew where Astro was. That was nonsense. She walked up and down for a half hour and discovered nothing which she could possibly twist into evidence. She decided then that she would visit the other places and then, if she found nothing suspicious, return over the ground again. St. Patrick's Cathedral next. There it stood, on the corner of the avenue, and she recalled how Astro had once called her attention to its resemblance to a vast gothic rabbit. The two transepts did resemble a bunny's haunches, and the front towers were like ears. She smiled at the thought, but got no nearer Astro by the pleasantry. She walked inside, sat down on a seat, and thought, what associations could this have with his whereabouts why he was not even a catholic he always said he was a buddhist well if this were a part of the black light his memory emanated it was black indeed in third avenue her hopes went up number three two zero was the entrance to a brick apartment house there was a sign indicating that flats were to let and she rang for the janitor by him she was shown a very pleasant four rooms and bath whose windows were on a level with the elevated railroad but it was as bare as the palm of one's hand with no lines she could read she asked tentatively of the other occupants and found that all with the exception of a couple of old men were married families yes a man had been to look at the flat yesterday but he had worn a beard was this a disguise but if Astro had come there with the intention of renting a flat temporarily, why should he have left the address in the wastebasket? And, moreover, why should he have coupled its address with Pier 83? There remained only the 10th Avenue address, and this she found to be a huge unoccupied building with shuttered windows, belonging to a gas company. Opposite was a vacant lot piled with lumber refuse beams and timbers on the other side was the gas tank's cylindrical bulk she could find no watchman to give her permission to enter what pretext could she give for wanting to see the premises even if she inquired at the office on eighteenth street she could think of none better think it over and plan a campaign 
she had this much information at least now what she had to do was to find some plausible theory to utilize it back she went to her room and cried herself to sleep as any other woman would she missed astral more than ever before she had a hunger and thirst for his presence now she wanted his help and protection oh she was sure enough now she felt lost without him she saw how necessary he was to her how he had made life different romantic picturesque it was a sad little valeska that crept to the studio next day she took up one of the cushions of his divan and kissed it passionately buried her face in it for a while then sat resolutely down at his desk to work out the mystery of his location the more she thought of it now the surer she became that he must have left these clues on purpose to guide her in her search it would be like him to test her that way there was a sort of humor in it that at last she saw well then she would be a worthy pupil she would prove that his lessons had not been without effect she too would be a seer of secrets with a smile on her lips now she began the problem but again she stopped it was absurd to think of him as being away she was so used to seeing him here in the studio that she could not take her task seriously could not she go into a trance as he had so often pretended to and summon him to her or project her spirit to meet his could she not perceive the radiance of his secret black light directly through her intuitions without this tedious and stupid analytical logical process as she sat there she could almost feel him at her side leaning over her shoulder looking from the door of his laboratory she looked up with a start from her reverie and was a little frightened to find herself alone in the great studio with its shadowy corners then she went back conscientiously to her study was this the meaning of the four addresses it seemed evident that it could not be in any one of the places that would be too easy an explanation of the mystery was there any esoteric significance to the weehawken fairy or pier eighty three she laughed at the idea all she could gather from the addresses was that astro was probably in new york well that was something her mind jumped to the square with diagonals to the cross on the envelope how did they fit in why for all she knew the pattern on the carpet or the legs of the chairs could solve the mystery no there must be some relationship between these things if these evidences were left purposely they were correlated one to another her mind went back to memories of astro he used to jump up and walk back and forth as he considered his problems so up rose valeska and began to pace the room as she passed the bookshelves she noticed that one book stuck out a little from the others it was a volume of poe's tales she pushed it back and continued her promenade she went over the addresses again st patrick's pier eighty three three two zero third avenue the gasworks it came to her vaguely that these places were about equal distances apart now could that mean anything then she thought that she could consider them more clearly if she had a map she went to the shelf therefore took down and unfolded a large map of new york 
and laid it on the table she next took four pins and marked each place they were indeed equal distances apart she measured them with a ruler then she noticed that they seemed to form a square and tested it with a little transparent celluloid triangle astro used for plotting horoscopes and found it was true the sides were about a mile and a quarter long again she dropped her chin on her palms and her elbows on the table and studied the pins but her thoughts wandered it seemed as if astro should be there to help her as he always had she thought with a smile that if it were propinquity that had made her love him propinquity was what she wanted most but she forced her mind to the subject and remembered the diagram drawn on the blotter of the table why that was a square too and it had its diagonals drawn the hint reached her at last and seizing a pencil and ruler she drew in the diagonals on the map and looked curiously to see where they intersected on thirty-fourth street between seventh and eighth avenues but the studio itself was at two three four west thirty-fourth street she jumped up then her hand on her beating heart her intuitions then were true she had felt the black light of his presence though he was invisible he was in the studio and had been from the first he had perhaps even looked from the doorway as she had fancied she trembled as if at the presence of a ghost and feared to see him but where was he must she look in every nook and corner should she call him out loud hungry for him as she was she could not yet do that her heart beat too fast yet she longed to tear the mystery open and let in the light again the old-fashioned sunlight of his actual visible presence and break into tears on his shoulder she moved across the room on tiptoe now as if she were guilty of some crime in being there threw herself on the divan and tried to think it out as she calmed herself the thought of the book she had replaced on the shelf came to her and she ran across the studio to take it from its shelf it fell open of itself to the purloined letter and she smiled to herself that proved her hypothesis to be right was not the purloined letter concealed in plain sight so prominently placed that it escaped the search then astro's hiding-place would be as obvious if she reasoned aright could she solve that as she had solved the other by her intuitions by means of his black light black light the very words were enough to tell her where should he be but in the dark room where she first witnessed his experiment where the little phosphorescent buddha though invisible in the dark still radiated its mysterious waves of energy so it was solved she hugged herself with delight and smiled at the prettiness of his plans how well he knew her and her mental processes indeed he must know her very soul to be so sure of her and her ways indeed he was the seer of secrets for he had seen hers before she had discovered it for herself had waited with patience and tact till she should know and be sure of her own love for him a wave of impatience to see him speak to him touch him swept over her 
of course he had retreated to his hiding-place when he had heard the ringing of the bell on the door she had been there for an hour and he must be tired of waiting there well ventilated as the dark room was so she crossed to the laboratory door opened the door of the little ante-room shut it behind her and put her hand to the inner door opened it and listened it was black and still for a moment she almost fainted with the fear that after all she might be mistaken and he was not there her childhood's terror of the dark returned but she put it away and tried to speak aloud her voice came thin and small in that closed face astro i have found you she said tremblingly i have seen your black light in the dark and i know now i want you dear she gave a little cry as she felt two arms take her in their grasp then the touch of his lips thrilled her and she laid her head on his shoulder in peace and contentment when astro took her out into the light it blinded them with sunshine so that they staggered and could hardly see the thrilling of the electric bell interrupted them in their dream it is the clergyman and the witnesses said astro smiling they are just five minutes ahead of time i didn't expect you'd find me till eleven o'clock at least end of section twenty five end of the master of mysteries by galette burgess